Well, as Corey said today, we are going to be closing out this series that we have called The Dark Room, where we have just journeyed through the book of Colossians. Today, we're going to go uh, just very, very quickly into this last section that Paul presents. And I just believe that as you leave this place, you will be encouraged, you will be challenged, but you will be equipped with more tools on your belt to be able to share Jesus with those in your world. Do you believe that? Amen. Well, just to kind of lay a foundation of where I want to go today, I actually want to briefly talk about prayer. You see, because I believe most of us in this room that are followers of Jesus, sometimes our prayer life and the prayers that we pray are too safe and too small. I know for me, this was true for many years, even as a pastor. Matter of fact, I realized this when someone confronted me with this question years ago. They said, Pastor Shanick, if God were to answer yes to every single one of the prayers you prayed this week, would anything be different in the world or would things just be different in your world? Man, that is a great question to wrestle with. If God were to answer yes to every single prayer that you prayed this week, would anything be different in the world or just your world? You see, sometimes our prayers are too safe, they're too small, and sometimes our prayers, I'm just going to say it, are a little bit silly. Some of the prayers that we pray, matter of fact, um, maybe as a kid, maybe your parents prayed this prayer with you, or maybe you have prayed this prayer with your children before, but if we can think about this for just a second... Um, I think it's sometimes funny, some of the prayers that we pray. Say we take this three or four-year-old kid into the room, right, it's, and, and we're planning on leaving, their, them, leaving them there throughout the night to sleep, and yet we pray this prayer with them. And if you know this prayer, you can say it along with me. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Good night. Have, have good dreams. I'm out of here. And turn off the light switch. Now, I'm so thankful that like as a four and five-year-old, my mom and dad did not pray that prayer with me. But can you think about what we're praying with our children? And they're like, wait, if I die before I wake, what, what, what is that about? Mom, dad, where'd you go? It's sometimes a little bit silly. And even if you think about, and, and I'm not meaning to offend anybody when I say this, but sometimes even when we pray for our food and the things that we're saying and the reason why we're doing it, Honestly, guys, it's a little bit funny. Like we're praying, right, for God to bring nourishment to our body. And we're, we pray that prayer when we're eating like, you know, a double bacon cheeseburger, large fries, big Coke. And, you know, we're definitely getting that, you know, McFlurry too, right? Or even McFlurry. We're, we're eating it and we're like, man, God, would you just pray over this food just to the nourishment of our body? And we're actually asking him to make like that McFlurry, that Oreo McFlurry, just like as if we were eating vegetables, which if he did that, that, mean, that would be a greater miracle than like parting the Red Sea, <laughs> if you really think about it. As a matter of fact, I think, I think we've got it a little bit wrong when we pray over our food. And not that we, we, don't, we don't do it. What I'm saying is, I think when it started originally, it was just a great reminder that just as our body needs food and energy, right? We need to eat, and most of us eat three times a day. Man, that's just a great time to pause and reflect and give God glory and thanks and just have this conversation, right? It's just this great reminder, but sometimes we turn it into this, you know, prayer like, man, God, make this deep fried Twinkie just nourish our body today. It's kind of silly. But if I can just turn, turn this just a little bit and say, you know, there are some serious prayers that we need to begin to pray, though, as believers in Christ. 
Matter of fact, what I'm going to show you today and what Paul is going to present to the church in Colossae, and I believe if he were to write a letter today to the church in Floyd Knobs, this would be something that he would want us to pray for as well. And this is a serious prayer, but I'm going to tell you that as we begin to pray this prayer, we better be careful because it's a dangerous prayer to pray. Because as God begins to answer the prayer that I'm going to show you today, we actually have to be responsible to walk in it and through it. And so uh, if you brought your Bible, I'm going to show you this prayer. If you brought your Bible, you can go ahead and get it out with me and turn to Colossians chapter 4. We're just going to look at five verses today. We're not going to go into kind of the final greeting. Paul mentions a lot of names, and, and he just kind of wants the church to make sure that they stay grateful for the people that, that are caring for them, that are loving them, that are advancing the kingdom. But he kind of gives this final instruction to the church. And you know, last words are very important. You know, Paul here, he's in prison and he's getting ready to face death. And so this is probably, he knows the last time that he will be able to communicate or to talk to the church. And these are his last words that he's going to leave them with. So they're, they're important. You know, if I were to pass, I would want my family and friends around me, and I'd want to give them some encouragement, something to remember me by, but also a challenge to them, and I guarantee you that those words, they would probably hold on to them. So here we are, Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 2. This is what Paul writes. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, this idea of devoting yourself, right, this devotion, basically what that means is just be consistent in it. Like some of us, you know, we might be devoted to IU basketball, right? So that means, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch some games on TV. I'm going to try to go to a few games like I did last week, and they lost their last game in the NIT. You know, pray for us Hoosier fans. We don't have a lot to be excited about or thankful for right now. And uh, actually, not just right now, for a long time. But, um, but you know, I, I'm devoted to that. You know, I know the players' names. I know some of their statistics. But it's just because I'm consistently, you know, looking at it, watching it, and it's just a regular thing in my life. Well, here Paul says, look, devote yourselves to prayer. And, and when I first read this, I'm thinking, because I love to compartmentalize things, maybe like many of you, I'm thinking, okay, devote yourselves to prayer over here, to being watchful, and to be thankful. But as I began to look at this sentence, things began to change, especially when, when you look at it in the original language. It actually kind of reads like this. It says, in prayer, continue steadfastly, watching in it, well, what's it? it? The prayer, and being thankful. You see, as we pray, we need to have this understanding that we can pray and we can have conversations with God, but we also need to be alert. We need to be awake to see how God's going to move to see how God is answering the prayer. And then when he does, we should be thankful people. You see, I think sometimes we have this idea where we communicate with God and then we just walk away and, oh, he's going to do what he's going to do. No, he wants us to be participating in him with what we're talking to him about. And as we stay awake, when we see him do it, man, he expects us to be thankful. Let's be grateful people. He goes on to say this. And while you're praying, verse 3, and pray for us too. Well, who's the us he's talking about? Man, believers. He's talking about the church. He says, pray for us. And here's the specific prayer. Here's what you got to get. Here's the dangerous prayer. Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. So we pray for open doors. What, what, what does a door represent? Just an entrance into something. 
Man, pray, pray for that open door, that entrance into people in your life, into the workplace, into your school, wherever you're at, into your neighbor's life. Pray that God may open a door for our message so that, and, and, and I love this because he actually kind of gives a desired outcome of what's going to happen when you pray that prayer. He says, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Well, if you were with us in the beginning of the series, I think it was week three, we talked about what this mystery was. And the mystery is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And it's not just for us, it's disclosed to us so that we can go and share. Matter of fact, it says specifically with Gentiles. That's just people, you know, outside of the Jewish faith. That is the Gentiles represent the world, right? For God so loved the world. You know, Jesus is for all people. And that's the message that we carry, that we go around saying, you know what, Jesus is for you. You know what, you are a forgiven person. You know what, Jesus wants you to become his brother or sister. He goes on, verse 4, he says, pray that I might proclaim it clearly as I should. You see, we're praying for open doors, pray for this so that we can share the message. And he's like, I'm going to proclaim it as clearly as I should But then he's going to flip it on the church, and he's going to flip it on us. And this is what we're going to unpack here today, verse 5 and 6. He says this, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Verse 6, let your conversation be always full of grace. Everybody say full of grace. grace. Seasoned with salt. Everybody say a little bit of salt. So that you may know how to answer everyone. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to answer everyone. Let's pray. Father, I'm just so thankful for your word. I'm so thankful for, man, just this passage of scripture that we get to be encouraged, um, man, to pray for open doors. And as we pray for open doors, I just believe that, that we here today would, would take, up, take it upon ourselves to be responsible to just walk in it, to share our faith to share Jesus, to share good news with everyone that we come in contact with. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So I think Paul gives this as the final instruction to the church because he can kind of maybe see or maybe he's aware that sometimes when people come to know Jesus, they only want to hang out with other people that know Jesus, right? Sometimes we get so like, inward focus that we forget the last command that Jesus gave wasn't to go into your homes and hide, but to go into the world and shine. You see, he says, go into all the earth, preach the gospel, make disciples, baptize them, teaching them everything that I've commanded you, which was what? The new command Jesus gave over and over again in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, was love as I have loved you. And so this is the command that we are to take. And this is a message that we take not just inside of a building with other people that already know Jesus, right? Light doesn't need to shine just where there's other light. Light needs to shine into darkness. You see, Paul says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Now, just very quickly, I will say that I don't love the fact that he used this word outsiders because just in in today's like vocabulary, it kind of creates this wall or this tension like it's us versus them. That's not what, what Paul, I believe, is doing in this moment. Basically saying, be wise in the way you act or this phrase is like how you live your life towards people who don't believe what you believe. 
But this is implying that you actually are around people that don't believe what you believe. Right? It's not just about coming together and doing this. It's not just being inward focused. Man, we need to have an attitude where we understand that there are people, right, who are far from God. And instead of judging them, man, we need to lean in and we need to begin to love them. Man, we need to begin to include them into our family. So this is all about, man, praying for an open door and then walking in it. But how we do this, right, this whole section is more about how we live our life more than what we initially say. You see, is the life that you're living causing other people to see a difference in you so much so that they're asking questions about why you're doing what you're doing? Or why you believe what you believe, or or why you have peace through that storm or that struggle. You see, he says, right, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, and then let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You see, if you have to answer someone, it means that somebody is what? Asking a question. But how are you living your life? Matter of fact, I love this phrase, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, because it actually could be translated in the Aramaic. And I love this phrase, get get this. It says that this phrase also can be known as to sell your last crust of bread. You see, it's a metaphor to say, give it all you've got. Man, live in such a way that it inspires other people. Matter of fact, I love how the Passion Translation captures this verse. If we can get that pulled up, it says this. It says, walk in the wisdom of God as you live before the unbelievers and make it your duty to make him known. You see, a couple weeks ago, we talked about this transition that we made. Yes, we need to come to an understanding of who Jesus is and who we are in him, our identity in Christ, but that identity should lead to a responsibility. And here we see it, the responsibility, right, is us making Jesus known. It's sharing our faith. And I'm sure a lot of you are there saying, yep, Pastor Shannon, you're not saying anything new, and I get that. Man, I've heard that we're supposed to share our faith. I've heard, you know, my whole life that we're supposed to share Jesus, that we're supposed to live in such a way that that it's an example to everybody that's in our life. But here's the problem. Why aren't many of us doing it then? There There might be a lot of different reasons, and there is no shame or condemnation in this. But for many of us, it might just be life. Right, We get so busy and we get caught up into our routine and just you know the monotony of life and what it brings. And, and we just sometimes maybe forget to make it a priority. And that's understandable. Some of us, you know, we, we don't want to go out of our way to share our faith or to share Jesus, maybe because we feel like maybe people will label us as weird. And we don't want to be that person that pushes our faith on someone else. And look, I totally, totally can understand and get that. But I believe maybe the biggest reason why we don't share Jesus more is that we feel like we don't know enough. We feel like we don't have enough knowledge or wisdom in it. But, but even in that, that translation we just read in verse 5, it said to walk in the wisdom, not in our understanding, not in, not, in, not in our experience, not in how many scriptures we know. Matter of fact, can I get that pulled back up, that, that verse in the Passion Translation? I want you to see this. It says, walk in the wisdom of who? God, man, so many of us, man, we forget that we are empowered by the Spirit and we have the mind of Christ. 
You see, it's not about getting to a certain level of having enough knowledge and then we'll start to share Jesus. It's the exact opposite. As we begin to share Jesus, man, we will see knowledge increase in our life. And it's not our own wisdom, man. We're walking in the wisdom of God when we do this. So here's what I want to do, just to help you out this morning and to kind of give you a little bit of wisdom that I've learned along the way, just to make it as simple as I can in just ways for you to practically share your faith when people ask, man, I want to give you four things. And if you're taking notes, I really, really encourage you to write these down, to think through them, and man, just even kind of to kind of see how this would play out in, in your life. So here it is, the first thing, if you're ready, the first thing you can do is this. You can be loving and direct. And I'm getting all these from what we just read from Paul. You can be loving and direct. You see, a lot of people believe that you can just be loving, but you can really never be direct with anything. Or some people think, oh, man, if you're just direct, then you're not loving. But I'm going to show you that there's a way to do both. Acts chapter 2, Peter, he gets up to preach on the day of Pentecost, the day that the Spirit's poured out. He gets up and basically he is just sharing the good news of Jesus. He's sharing, you know, how how, how he died a gruesome death on the cross, but he did that to take upon the sin of the world upon himself. They placed him in a tomb, but three days later he got up. Basically, he's sharing, right, this, this incredible story of God and what Jesus did on our behalf through his death, burial, and resurrection. And man, he did it with so much grace and so much love, it actually prompted people to ask this question, what must we do to be saved? Paul, Peter says, repent, believe, and get baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Boom, super direct. But he was direct when? When a question was proposed. You see, that, that's what Paul was getting at. He's like, live your life in such a way where it's you know, prompting other people to ask questions. And when they ask questions, it's okay to give a response. And it's okay to be kind of direct with it, but not in a way that is gonna tear people down and not trying to give them everything that you know. Matter of fact, I had you repeat these two phrases, right? We need to be full of grace, but it says season with a little bit of salt. You see, so many of us, when we feel like we need to share Jesus or share our faith, so many of us, man, we just pour the salt on like crazy and when we dabble it with a little bit of grace on the side. And we do this, but we have to understand, man, a lot of the people that we're sharing Jesus with, man, don't know Jesus. They don't know what we know. And some of us have come to come on a journey with him and, and, and we've maybe been in church for, for 5, 10, 15, 20, man, 30 plus years and we want to try to give everybody what we know at year 30, when they haven't even started day one. Man, full of grace, seasoned with salt. Matter of fact, uh, just to illustrate this a little bit further, I bought um, a Dasani last night. And uh, for those of you that have heard me preach before, know that, uh, man, I cannot stand Dasani. So I hate that I had to spend $1.19 on this bottle. But uh, the reason I don't like Dasani, maybe, maybe you don't know this, but um, Dasani is not just water. Matter of fact, if you turn it around on the back and you look at the ingredients list, it says purified water, water, magnesium sulfate, potassium chloride, and salt. So there is salt in this water. Now, I, I, I know Coca-Cola is not stupid. They're kind of smart, you know. And I think they put a little bit of salt in there because, yeah, it might immediately quench your thirst, but that little bit of salt makes you what? Thirsty for more. 
right? This is the way that we're supposed to present Jesus. Man, full of grace, a little bit of salt. It's not the other way around. Imagine drinking like ocean water where it's almost all salt. You know, that, that's sickening to a person. Sometimes it's poisonous to a person to do that, right? But you can give just, a, just enough as you're led by the Spirit. Remember, you walk in the wisdom of God, but, man, you saturate that thing in grace. You drench it in grace, understanding that, man, you know what they might need to know? I know there's a famous theologian, and his name escapes me now, but he said, in all my decades of study, in all my scriptures that I memorized, and all these doctrines that I've come to, to, to learn and really just dive into, there's one thing that I know above everything else, and I could do away with everything that I've studied in my life, and that one thing is this. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, you might be at a place where you just say, you know what, man, Jesus loves me so much, and if he can love me, I know he loves you too. Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's the truth that you need to drop. It's drenched in grace, seasoned with salt. So you can be loving and direct. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is this. You can simply share your story. You can share your story and what God has done in your life. You know, I'm reminded in John chapter 9, there was, um, there was a man who was born blind. And the Pharisees, you know, they had this huge debate going on. Was, was this guy in sin or was his parents in sin that he was born blind? And Jesus comes along and on a Sabbath, Jesus heals this guy. And it causes an uproar because Jesus healed him. He said, hey, don't go tell anybody about it. But he runs right into the temple and just shows everybody what had happened to him. And they get in this big theological debate again on whether or not Jesus is living in sin because he healed on the Sabbath. And he stops him and says, look, you're asking me all these questions. You're having this huge theological debate. I don't know about any of that stuff, but here's what I do know. I once was blind, but now I see. That's it. I once was blind, but now I see. He was sharing what? His experience. You see, you can have all the theological truth down. You can have all this doctrinal knowledge, but you can't argue against somebody's experience. Man, I once was blind, but now I see. Man, that might be some of you here this morning. Man, I once was in turmoil, and I once had all this struggle, but now, man, I live in peace. Man, I once was, you know, wrapped up in this destruct, destructive habit, but now, man, God set me free of all that. You see, I once was this, but now I'm this. I can't explain it. I don't understand it, but it is my experience. It is my story. So simply share your story. I will say this, don't try to look at what God is doing in other people's life and say, oh, I'll take a little bit of that, a little bit of that, a little bit. No. Man, how has he worked in your life? It's okay to share your story. Matter of fact, I believe that God's not going to bless a fake version of yourself, that he'll bless the real you and the version that you present to everybody as you are just being truthful in what God has done in your life. So you can simply share your story. We're going to get real practical, and it's going to be real simple now. Number three, if you're taking notes, is this. And Corey alluded to this earlier. Man, you can just simply bring someone to a service. Man, all throughout Scripture, we see where people brought people to Jesus. You see, that's why we say, don't just invite, but bring someone. Yeah, you can throw out an invitation, but why don't you say, hey, I'll come by and pick you up. 
or if I'll see you there, I'll take you out to eat afterward, which I would encourage you to do if you invite somebody and they show up. Why? Because it can lead to the other things. You can share your story. You can answer some questions. You can do that because you're the person that invited them. They have the relationship with you, not me. I know many of you, you bring somebody, hey, I want you to meet so-and-so. Man, I, I love meeting new people. Man, I, I'm that I personality. I love being around people. I love seeing new faces. But you, some of you, man, you're like, hey, pastor, come meet. Hey, can you tell them about Jesus? I'm going to start telling you all no because you all can start telling them about Jesus and what he's done for you. <laughs> but you can simply bring somebody. You know, I'm reminded in John chapter 4, Jesus meets with a woman at a well. He's sitting there, and, and uh, Jesus asked the question, so tell me about your husband. The woman says, well, I, I've had no husband. And Jesus said, okay, you're being truthful. Now I can work with that. You know, you're not trying to hide everything. And, and what's true is you've had five husbands. The guy you're shacking up right now is not your husband. And she's like, oh, my gosh, how do you know all this stuff? You must be a prophet. And basically, he goes on to say, you know, what I'm, what I'm going to give you is not just well, like from a water that you're here to get naturally, but I'm going to give you this living water, and it's going to just come up from inside of you. And, and man, she's just so, man, just enamored with the presence of Jesus and his love for her. She actually goes back to her town, and you can look this up, John chapter 4. He goes back to her town. She goes back to her town, and she brings the whole town with her. Hey, come meet this man who told me everything I've ever done. Come on out. I, come on. And literally it said the whole town follower. Man, she brought everybody. Now, what I'm saying whenever I say it's simple to bring someone a service, I'm not saying that when you bring them to a building that this building is Jesus, but we are the body of Christ. And John 4, 1 John 4 says that as Jesus is, so now are we on this earth. So we need to be Jesus to people that walk in through the doors so that when they come in, they can be loved, they can be welcomed, that they are valued, that they are accepted, man, that they actually can encounter Jesus in this place through us collectively. And that was a really good place for an amen. Man, that is our responsibility. That's why, man, we come together. We come together as brothers and sisters, man, to lift high the name of Jesus, to come and just, just to worship. We come together to share experiences of what God has done in our life throughout the week. And, you know, as we build those relationships, that is when that happens. And then when new people come in, man, we give them a big embrace and a hug and we welcome them and we love them because that's what Jesus would do and he does do it through us. Man, so you can just invite somebody out to a service. The fourth thing is this, and this, this is, goes back to everything that Paul was writing in his letter. He says this, and this is the point. You can live a life others want. You can simply live a life that others want. I said earlier, it says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. They're answering, you're answering questions that are being asked, which means you're living your life in such a way that is different from how everyone else lives, and they can't quite comprehend, comprehend why you live the way you live. And you can live a life that others want. You know, I, I'm reminded of in Acts chapter 16, and I encourage you to go back and read through this story too. It's one that we, we go to quite a bit here in this place, but it's such a, an amazing story and an amazing encounter uh, just with, with people and just in our struggle, how we can still have peace and we can still praise through the problem. But in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, they found themselves in prison. And man, this is like a dungeon, not some like four seasons prison that we sometimes look at today. But 
man, it's like a dungeon. And it says about midnight, man, in the middle of it, and I can just imagine they're laughing. Man, can you believe where we're at right now? Man, this, this is crazy. But it says at midnight they start praising. And they just start singing. They start praising God right in the middle of their problem. And what happens? Their chains begin to fall out and fall off. An earthquake happens. The prison doors flow, you know, and blow wide open. The prison guard there is so shook because of the earthquake and everything that's happening. He sees the, the doors, you know, fling wide open and he comes in and he basically is getting ready to take his own life. But Paul has to stop him. No, 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 no. You, you don't have to take your life. It's okay. We're all here because he knew if all the prisoners escaped, he'd be held accountable and his superiors would come and take him out. But Paul says, no, 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 we're here. Man, we're, we're just praising God and man, God showed up like crazy and the spirit was moving and the, ch- and the chains fell off and the doors flew open, but we ain't going nowhere. Why would, just not thinking about this, why would they want to run away from where the spirit is manifesting? Man, where the kingdom is coming to life. I don't care if it was right in the middle of a prison. That's where I'd want to stay. And this is where Paul and everyone there is. And the jailer, and look this up, he actually asked him a question. Same question that the people asked Peter. Man, what, what must I do to be saved? Because I can see there's something different about your life. Man, you're, you're in prison. Man, you're in chains. And here you're praising God. Man, what, what, what must I do? And then Paul stands up, man, just believe in the Lord Jesus. Goes back to right being loving and direct, man. Just b- believe in the Lord Jesus. Man, we're praising because of him, what he's done in and through our life. Man, so those are very simple, very practical ways. You know, you can be loving and direct. You can share your story. You can bring somebody to a service. Or you can simply just continue to live a life that other people want. That's what Paul's saying. Man, in that power-packed five verses that he closed out this letter with. Well, I'm going to get, uh, man, the worship team to come back up, and, and we're going to go out of this place in celebration in a minute. We're actually going to, um, to take communion together as we close out the series. But as the band's coming, I want to encourage you in this. You know, like I said earlier, a lot of people think, well, I don't know enough, or I have to get to a certain level of knowledge before I start sharing my faith. But, but I want to remind you, there's, there's three things that really happen as you begin to share Jesus. One is as, as you share Jesus, you'll find that your faith actually grows. It's not that you have to grow in your faith and then you'll share. No, as you share, man, your faith, man, continues to grow in an amazing way. The second thing, man, you get to play a part in somebody's divine story. You get to play a part. You might be simply just planting a seed, and that's okay. You might be watering a seed that somebody else planted years ago and there's been a thousand seeds planted and you're just coming along and you're just maybe putting a little bit of water on it. Or you might actually get to partake in the harvest and see somebody make that decision. Man, I I want what you have. Man, can you tell me about Jesus and you're gonna be there to just share, man, what he did in your life. And that not only in Jesus do we have salvation and do we have forgiveness, man, but we have love and acceptance and so much more, not just in the life to come, but, man, in this life right now, that that it's not just about making heaven our home, man. It's making our home more like heaven, and this is just how Jesus just brings peace to our home. And so you get to play a part in that divine story. And the last thing, and I'm telling you, this is one of the best things about sharing just Jesus with people is, man, you get to be reminded of everything that you have in Christ. 
Because you're talking to somebody and you're like, you know, man, I'm going through this and I'm going through that. And, you know, I I actually have some friends that actually right now are going through this battle with cancer. And, man, I'm looking at their life and I'm thinking, I don't even know why I get up on, on stage and preach almost every week. I need to get you up here to just share your story and how you're going through this. But you don't know how it's all going to turn out. But you know that, you know, you have Jesus. And because you have Jesus, you have eternal life. So you're never going to die anyway. And that's the attitude that they have. And I'm thinking, even myself, like, man, you are such an inspiration to me. Think about the people that are being inspired that maybe don't know Jesus by these people and how they're living their life. But they are reminded, and you can be reminded of everything that you have in Christ as you're sharing. Yeah, you might go through struggles, but man, he gives you peace. And oh man, yeah, God does give me peace. And you're sharing, man, you, you know, you might be at a place where you feel alone, but man, God's presence is always with you and he loves you. And then you're reminded, man, God's never left me a day in my life. You see, it encourages the faith in your life. It grows your faith. It, it, it inspires you. It brings you confidence to continue to just live as a son and a daughter. That's, that's what really this whole passage is about. And hopefully that's what you take away from today. There is no condemnation in any of this. I'm just trying to tell you to simply live confidently as a son or a daughter in Christ, knowing who your dad is. And if you do that, that is all you need to do.